Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Martin Sines. Martin is a co-founder of Bequest Funds and renowned as a thought leader in the mortgage note investment industry. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you, Martin. And so welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good, Eileen. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. So if you would like to share a little bit more about your background and how you got started in real estate with the listeners, that would be wonderful. Sure. You may have heard of this gentleman, Robert Kiyosaki. I don't know if that rings a bell. <laughs> Just a uh, little one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You haven't heard that one before. or have So anyway, um, in uh, 2004, I had uh, been fired from my corporate job. And my wife and I were really just kind of looking for, you know, doing for ourselves, looking to go into business for ourselves. So I stumbled upon Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And really, I just, I just um, started a lifelong journey from that point in, into um, self-employment, into real estate investing. And so um, we, we ended up buying our first commercial property in 2009. So, and starting a company in 2005. And, and so that's really how I kind of got started. Awesome. And so in, in 2009, you said you bought your first commercial property. Can you share a mm-hmm. little bit about how you got started in it? How do you find it? Yeah. If you can provide a little bit of the details behind that. Sure. So one of the takeaways that uh, I learned from educating myself in the real estate investing world was that you really needed a business. You needed something that was going to be delivering cash flow to you that can support your real estate investing endeavors. So my wife and I founded a government contracting company in the DC area. And, uh, and through the course of building that company, we had gotten to the point where we needed to move out of our home. So uh, we looked up on Craigslist for buildings in our area and we found an individual who was selling a building and uh, he owned it free and clear. And he was really just looking for 10% down and he was looking to carry a note with no prepayment penalty for a 15 year term. So he was using it as an IRA play as he's get going into retirement. So we jumped on it, we put down money and we moved in and operated our company out of that space. And so for you guys, this was the first time that you had gotten into something like this? Yes, yeah, so the first it was our first move and he also owned a neighboring building and we purchased that a month later. So we did the same thing and and what we kind of learned is that is that we needed to keep going. It wasn't enough just to operate a company and to be, you know, making payroll and experiencing net profit growth over the course of time. You needed to roll that into something larger than than where you were at. And so we started buying residential properties and commercial properties in the DC area. And we we just didn't stop. Got it. And so, you know, like since 2009, you know, we were kind of coming out of that whole recession period and things were a little bit changing in the real estate space. Did any point in that time, did it kind of make you nervous jumping into real estate or anything like that? Did you have any hesitations before getting started? No, because we had the backbone of the business and we had solid federal contracts in place. 
So uh, that gave us confidence to go through real estate. If our backbone was just in real estate holdings, then, then I may have been more nervous that way. But the true engine that was driving everything was the small business. And we had later sold that in 2013. But no, that, that definitely gave us confidence. So after that, you said you had gotten to some residential uh, properties after that. And so was that all uh, that was primarily like the single family whole or single family homes? And was it like short term rentals or you, were you guys buying and holding long term? Yeah, buying and holding long term. We still uh, I live in Sarasota, Florida. However, I still have the properties in the D.C. area. We, we've since relocated the company down down to Florida. And and I have to say, though, that you know I did find over time that that was very small thinking, just kind of building a portfolio of residential properties. And there's so much more to real estate investing. And that's when I got into mortgage note investing in 2013 and uh, really just made my home there. Got it. And then can you share with the listeners a little bit, can you give a background of mortgage notes investing and then just what's the basic foundation of it on the entire premise? Sure. So there's various types of uh, cash flow investing, paper note investing, but for the purposes of our conversation, we're talking primarily bank originated paper. So someone goes into a bank, wants to buy a home, they take out a mortgage loan and a portion of those mortgage loans on the bank books go into default at some point in time. So 4% of all mortgages originated go into default. And so it could be due to due to divorce or, or health or job loss. And so what banks and other lending institutions do at certain points is they bundle these defaulted mortgages into tranches and sell them into the secondary mortgage market space to hedge funds. And hedge funds will go take uh, those defaulted mortgages and they will make contact with the homeowners, create loan modifications, work with them to get paid off, reinstatement and other resolutions. And once um, those get performing, then they get sold off into uh, an income fund like Bequest Funds, which is I, I manage and represent. So I actually own own a hedge fund uh, with my partner as well as an income fund. And we have about several thousand notes in play at any given time. So what was that about it that made you want to get into the mortgage notes investing side of real estate? Yeah. So what I learned in 2013 is up until that point, I had just been about earning money. I had been about really more on the materialistic side and I was very kind of short-sighted. So I never really was focusing on my spirituality. So 2013, after we sold the government contracting company, I really found a relationship, spiritually speaking. And from that point, I changed my perspective to be of service to others. And that, that became you know, really my mantra that I've lived by. And so through mortgage note investing, you know, buying one single family home here and there, you know, is great and it's a good annuity play, but it's not really serving on the level that I needed to serve at. And so I found I could do that with mortgage notes, whereby I can buy these mortgage notes at a discount and help the homeowner stay in their home by giving them a loan modification, whereby I'm making certain concessions so they can, I can ensure they can afford the payment I'm going to give them. And they can maintain staying in their home while I'm receiving cash flow over a 20, 30 year time period. So buying a mortgage note, 20, 30 cents on the dollar, 
modifying it at 80 cents on the dollar or at par and and just kind of replicating that that process. Got it. And so is it a little bit more um, of a hands-on types of investment where you're managing it constantly on a constant basis, or is it a little bit more hands-off, more of a passive type of income? Yeah. So yes and no. It's a lot of individuals that come into the industry, they think it's passive, right? They think paper, they think bank, they just go and, and create a loan or they modify a loan and payments just magically come in for 30 years, a 30 year time period. But really, it's equivalent to what you do when you rehab a home on the on the um, real estate investing side. So you have to, uh, you know, you, you have to go and uh, rehab the asset. So that's work instead of the asset is the bar, the homeowner who's paying. Work with them and get them back on their feet where they're paying. And then you need a property manager, so you need an asset management team that's going to oversee those assets and ensure that they continue to be performing. So there's work on that side of the fence. Now it is passive on the other side in that the Bequest funds is an income fund that pays a 9% annual PREF and payments are made to our investors on a monthly basis. So that is a set it and forget it. So actually a, a good concentration of our investors in our income fund, it's a $50 million income fund, 506C Reg D fund, a majority are actually successful real estate investors that want to offset all the active, rigorous efforts towards income with something more truly passive. Got it. And so what types of exit strategies are there for mortgage notes investing? And how long is a typical hold time period? Yeah, so it's really how long you want it to be. And with the hedge fund side, where we buy distressed paper, we, um, you know, it used to be where before Bequest funds, before we launched Bequest funds, we would buy these mortgages, get them modified, and then resell them to recapitalize. But over time, we just started collecting and building a portfolio of these performing mortgages. And we created Bequest Funds as an annuity play, whereby, whereby we can buy these types of performing mortgages in the secondary mortgage space, whereby there's cash flow streams of 20, 30 years left on these mortgages, and we can bring investor dollars into the equation. So you can have a short-term focus of just flipping, right? Like same real estate term, right? So you get the loan modified and now it's a performing asset. You season it and then you flip it. Or you can hold it for um, a long-term 20, 30-year play. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Got it. So for a newer investor who's looking to get into maybe potentially starting off with mortgage note investing, you know, whether it be passively or doing it on their own, what are some of the things that they need to kind of understand prior to getting started in it? Um, and some maybe some misconceptions and some, I guess, common mistakes that people typically do. 
Oh gosh, that's like a whole day. (laughs) (laughs) So I've written four books on mortgage note investing. You know, I would say get my first book, Note Investing Made Easier, and really kind of outlines my day-to-day in terms of, well, day-to-day at that period of time when I wrote it. I have I have much larger team in place now. But but what what I would say is that it's a lot of work. You have to put in a lot of work. Be prepared for that. And also you have to scale up a business operation for yourself because there's not much room for the mom and pop node investor in today's space. There's compliance. There's uh, various licensing state by state. There's economies of scale because pricing for these assets have increased over the last few years. So you need to have economies of scale to be able to, to work out and squeeze the juice from these assets. So be prepared to have a business operation and to put in the work. Got it. And so for you, Martin, you know, you've been able to build such a large company surrounding this, the mortgage notes and everything like that. And you've providing a lot of great services to the different types of investors out there. So for you, you know, how are you able to get to where you are today and what has kind of contributed to your success? I would just say uh, being dedicated, being persistent. So, you know, like yesterday I was, I was up at 3.30 in the morning. I normally get up around 4.30 and it's just like, I'm up, I'm excited. I'm like ready to go, you know, kick some butt. And so if you can find whatever that is in your world that makes you like super excited to get in and, and handle business and, and you can just put in the time, then I would just say that's really the key to it. It's the commitment and the action back in the commitment. When you first got started and you found mortgage notes investing, like in the very beginning and you did your first one, did you ever consider and did you ever think that you would get to where you are today? Or was that like the big plan from the very beginning? I thought it was going to be really easy. I'm (laughs) I'm like, okay, I've done small business ownership. I've done the hundred hour work weeks for years. I've done, uh, you know, I've done the, uh, the buy and hold landlording, which wasn't much work with a lot of these commercial spaces. However, it wasn't as much cash flow as I had anticipated. So I, I kind of didn't see the money that met my financial aspirations. And then I got into mortgage notes. I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be super easy. Just go buy a note, talk to a bar. And I just found all levels of complexity with mortgage note investing. It's a whole chess match that goes on. So there's much more sophistication in it than than on the real estate side, in my opinion. Got it. And so for you, Martin, what is next for you and what are you looking to do? Yeah. So, you know, growing, we have our hedge fund. Uh, we're just we're, we're actually uh, just closing on a 500 mortgage note trade in the next few weeks. So we're hiring about three people right now as we speak building out our, our income fund, uh, which is uh, we're raising about 15 million this year for that. That's going well. And so what I would just say is just building out our operation, hiring the right people. I'm now focused more on like the operation side, you know, the how does the operations manual look? How does the org chart look? How, you know, what's the team culture that we're trying to build? And so I'm, I'm kind of focusing back more on myself, small business days, if you will. And is it primarily you and your wife right now, or do you have partners as well in the, in the business? So my wife has been at home uh, raising the, our four children. We have, I have four children, nine and under. Full-time so, job. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. 
So she's been very tied up with that. Um, however, the kids are going back into school and in a few weeks, she'll be back here helping from an HR perspective. But, but we have a team of 10 employees, my partner and I. And so we have asset managers, controller, uh, marketing person, acquisitions team, and investor relations uh, team as well. Got it. So Martin, how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? Uh, freedom of time. But it's interesting. You have freedom of time. So I, I could go, I could retire today after the show and I would be fine. I would have enough income. I have, I have hundreds of flows of income coming in monthly. And so I could not work again and I would be fine. Now, I wouldn't meet my aspirations in life and goals and whatnot. But, but, so, but with that freedom, I choose to be diligent and grow this and be of service and raise my family and, and grow this income fund that I'm going to pass down to my children when I, beyond my years. So I think it's a mixture, right? Freedom of time, but then how you use that freedom of time. And I also would like to ask too, um, also being a parent myself too, I, I love asking questions to other parents, especially with the kids. How have you found ways to kind of impart your knowledge to your kids in terms of like finance and real estate and everything that you're doing? Like, how do you share that knowledge with them? Yeah. So, you know, I, they see me, you know, when, um, when we were in Virginia, you know, they used to go to properties with me. They used to meet when I used to meet with tenants, they've seen me at work a number of times. We have a chore chart at home where they do chores and we have a ledger on Google share drive wherever all the children have ledgers and they can all see that they have this balance and Hey, your balance is decreasing and there's no activity that's going to increase. It's all outflow, no inflow. And we kind of have those conversations. And and so that's how I go about it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. (laughs) That's always the fun part is like listening and just trying to learn. And, you know, like I have the two kids right now, two and a half and like an eight month old. And so it's like, how old do you start them off? And like, how do you start imparting this knowledge for them so that you can kind of prepare them later on for things that they don't necessarily learn in school? Yeah, I think when, especially when they're young is how you talk around them and, uh, and say, we can't afford that. Don't say we can't afford that. Don't say, you know, there's not enough money. It's not in the budget. Just kind of all those, those words of uh, negativity and defeat. And just use like, even if you're joking around, like if I'm joking around my three-year-old and I'm saying, well, he's like, I want this. And I'm like, well, how are we going to pay for that? And then, you know, where do we go to get money? And then, you know, like, and then he'll, he'll say the bank or you know something like that and say, where does the bank get it? And just kind of have playful discussion with it at that point, at yeah. that age, I should say. Absolutely. Starting to get them to problem solve early on. That's a great tip. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So Martin, what is one thing that you know now about real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first started? So I have a rule of thumb with investing and invest in assets that I can control and the cash flow. So I learned very early on, having done so many things incorrectly, that if it doesn't meet that criteria, then I don't partake in it. So when I hear, um, and it helps me, it helps me clear my, keep my mind clear. So if someone comes and says, well, this cryptocurrency, that, can I say, can I control it? Can it cash flow? No. Okay. Well, it's not for me. It may be for someone else. It may be popular. I don't know. Precious metals, gold coins. Is it cash flow? Can I control it? And so I've built my world with my investment portfolio on assets that I can control and the cash flow. 
And that's very significant to me. I learned, I, I used to invest to say, oh, if I buy this, then at this point, it's going to appreciate to that. Well, that's not doing me any solid, in my opinion. Got it. And so did you establish that criteria when you first started or was this something that kind of developed over time? I think I developed around uh, about six years ago, about six years ago. I used to look at uh, some properties and I used to say, well, they're putting in a new road here and they're doing the, you know, the city's doing a divider and an overwalk bridge. And I go, oh, this surely has to do this. And uh, we bought a property that was supposed to have this town center with the train station. And sure enough, we bought the property and the train station and town center got delayed like five, six years. And if it's ever going to happen. And so it's just speculation. Like, so I think a lot of people, and I say this with humility because I've done so many mistakes, a lot of people invest based on speculation, emotion. And, but if you just say, hey, can I control the performance of this asset? And will it pay me money monthly? And if the answer is no, then that would pass. And so, Martin, for you, do, are there any tools or techniques that you've used that have helped to improve the efficiency of your life and your business that you can share with us? Yeah, you know, build a team. And there's so much hype, in my opinion, around solopreneurs and, and working out of your basement. And, you know, you can kind of build it out of your home. But in order to create true wealth, in my opinion, uh, you need a team, you need employees, you need 1099 support, you need strategic partners, you need uh, business partners, and uh, vendors that are really close to you. And so I would just start with the end in mind, how does the business need to look for it to sell at the price you need to sell down the road? What's the exit? So not what's the exit of the note, right, as much, but what's the exit of the whole operation? And, you know, if you're still in your underwear at home, you know, banging on your computer by yourself, it's not going to, you're not going to grow something massive over the course of 10 years doing that, in my opinion. Thank you so much for sharing all of that, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yeah. And so if our listeners wanted to find out more about you and what you're doing in this space, where's the best place that they can go find more? Yeah. So they can send me an email at martin at bqfunds.com. And I can send them an ebook. We have a free ebook that, that we send out to a lot of folks and um, they can reach out to myself that way. So it's martin at bqfunds.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Martin, for coming on yeah. and sharing all of your experience of and the knowledge in this space. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. You're most welcome. I enjoyed our time on you. Good luck with the kiddos. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.